Welcome to the Power Your Life radio show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining. And I'm Dr. Joanne White, and it's a pleasure to be here. And we're in a very challenging time for for many people all over the globe. And oftentimes that contributes to us carrying and responding or reacting stressfully to and carrying stress within us, within all aspects of us. Well, we have some hope for that today because I have a very special guest and her name is Dr. Melanie Greenberg. She's a practicing psychologist, an author, a speaker, and a life business coach with over 20 years of professional experience a former psychology professor and a recognized expert on stress management, health, and relationships. Melanie draws on neuroscience, mindfulness, and positive psychology in her work, blending science with mindful wisdom compassion. Melanie seeks to educate, support, heal, and inspire, and she does. Her approach is centered on the whole Mm -hmm. person focusing on mind, body, and spirit. She's the author of The Stress-Proof Brain, an Amazon bestseller in neuropsychology and stress management. Melanie helps people grow their personal strength and skills, live mindfully and with compassion, overcome adversity, and build authentic connections with themselves and with others. She also writes the Mindful Self-Express blog, which has over 8 million page views for psychology today. Are you ready to replace stress and excel at your work and in your relationships? Let's talk to Melanie and find out how. Hello, Melanie Greenberg. How are you? Good. Hello, Joanne. I'm good today, and I'm I'm happy to be here. My pleasure. Now, we were talking a few minutes before the show a little bit about your background, and I'd love you to share it because I think it's so apropos with what we're talking about in terms of stress and how you dealt with your particular situation and came out on top. Absolutely. Uh, So I grew up in South Africa, and it was some of the last years of apartheid, but apartheid was still strong, and it was a changing kind of society, but at the time very pretty repressive. And I ended up coming to the U.S. by myself without my family as um, an immigrant. Going to college, I ended up getting a scholarship and doing my Ph.D. here. And I had to make it, you know, I had to, I was, had to be very hard driving. I was kind of overcome the odds and deal with, with, being away from my family and, you know, creating a life here. And I think that I was successful at it in a number of ways, Um, you know, mainly through kind of being positive, having like a very strong work ethic, being very proactive. 
but the piece that that was missing at the time, I think, was that I didn't have mindfulness. I didn't have so much compassion for myself. I was more perfectionistic. Like I liked myself a lot when I was successful, and I didn't like myself very much when when things weren't going my way. And then uh, as I got older and faced more difficult different life circumstances, I found mindfulness, which really changed my life in that I learned to have, be more accepting and patient with what life gave me, realizing I couldn't control everything and didn't have to, and I could sit and just be with it and be with my feeling. And it led me to be find more compassion for myself and also more compassion for other people. It led me to my calling, which is to be a writer a speaker and a, and a clinical psychologist helping other people find that. And you do it so beautifully. I appreciate that. And, you know, oftentimes people come from so many different situations. You're talking about your your background in South Africa and then coming here to the United States. And there are people that are living different kinds of circumstances, yet oftentimes, and, and again, as I mentioned earlier, in our world today, there are many stresses. So mm-hmm. let's, talk, let's talk about what's going on within us in response to the stress that's all around us. So I found the brain and neuropsychology, and that became a big part of my work. And our brain really is wired to have automatic responses to stress that are not necessarily all in our control and that it's important to understand so that we can learn to manage our stress better and also to understand that sometimes it's not us, it's our brain and that can lead to a self-compassion as well. What the brain does in response to stress is that we're wired for survival and we have a part of the brain called the amygdala which is an almond-shaped structure in the middle of the brain. And it's designed to detect a threat and, and have a very rapid physiological biochemical response that we go into fight, flight, freeze. In other words, if we have an, a tiger, you know, our ancestors grew up in the jungle with lions and tigers, and so the body was wired to run away very quickly or to fight um, or to you know, be still so the predator wouldn't see you. And because of that, this, we get this very rapid chemical response. We get cortisol flowing, adrenaline, and get all revved up. And often that causes us to act impulsively or to overreact. And, and you have to slow things down so that another part of your brain can get on board, called the prefrontal cortex. And that can help you manage your response, manage that automatic response more mindfully, calm it down, you know, learn to be more strategic. And, but people often don't realize how we're wired to have that automatic fear or anger when we get triggered by certain threatening situations or stress. So when you know, any kind when of stress, people, really. Right. And, and so when people are in a stressful situation or they're – and re- rea- I'm going to say reacting versus responding and reacting. Mm-hmm. What is what is important for them to do? Because oftentimes they go that there's fear, there's anxiety. There, you know, there, there are all these reactive mm-hmm. responses. 
what can people do in the immediate situation that, that can help them shift so that the brain does what it need, you know what it needs to do and gets us back into into more of a, a calibrated balance. So there's a mindfulness practice that I love, and it originally comes from Sharon Salzberg, who's an author and mindfulness teacher, and it's called Rain, uh, R A I N. And you know how mm. rain? You think of rain gently falling down. And it's a soothing image. So R stands for recognize. Recognize means just first, the first step is just to identify when you're in that state, when you've gone into fight or flight. Try to get it earlier and earlier. And, you know, at that point, just stop. Just stop whatever you're doing. And let's recognize, I mean, fight or flight now. A means allow. So allow you know, just allow whatever you're feeling to be there. Just kind of stay, be still and observe it. And I means investigate. So, you know, you kind of stop and ask yourself, what am I doing? What's, what are, what's happening now? Am I having critical thoughts? Am I acting impulsively? Am I you know, being extra angry? And just to investigate, what am I doing? And is this what I want to be doing? Is this, and then... N means non-identification. So often when we go into fight or flight, sometimes our stories from the past can get triggered, negative stories about ourselves, like I'm not good enough might might be an example. Non-identification means understanding that this is just an automatic kind of conditioned story that's being triggered and we don't have to buy into it and need to kind of, you know, get some distance from it. So R-A-I-N, recognize, allow, investigate, and non-identification. And that can help you, you know, get back to be your grounded self to manage the situation. I love it. That's wonderful. Now, what about, is there a way to actually prepare ourselves even beforehand, Melanie, so that, let's say, so that even though we, we are not in a stressful situation at this moment, we're preparing our body through some techniques that you're mentioning through mindfulness and, and, and other techniques that we'll talk about to to be able to do that instantaneously without us having to go through anything because we've already kind of prepared our body, prepared our mind, prepared ourselves for a particular situation. Is that possible? Yes. Uh, yes, absolutely. That's a really good point. So I think these there's two different ways. One is just, you know, cognitively to, to prepare yourself for the situation, to find a way of thinking about it that can make it less stressful. Like maybe this is this can see what's the opportunity for growth here? What's the opportunity for learning? Or how can I be kind to myself as I face this? And how can it might it bring me closer to my goals, even though it may be a difficult situation? Like could think about maybe writing an exam or having you know, a difference of opinion with your spouse. Um, the second thing is to do a regular practice that actually works on a physiological level to make your brain calmer and more connected, and, and that's what we call mindfulness. And mindfulness can be learned through meditation. Um, a simple meditation would be just watching your breath. 
just slowing down and watching your breath go all the way in, noticing where it goes through through your nostril, you know, down your throat, all the way down into your chest and your belly, and then a pause and then going all the way up again. And if you just sit and watch your breath, um, and as your mind wanders, you can slowly, gently bring it back. That teaches you the skill of, of being in that kind of observer position. And um, if you do that regularly for months at a time, it can actually start to change your brain. And research shows that regular practice of mindfulness several times a week for um, at least tw- tw- 10 or 12 weeks actually leads the, your amygdala, your threat centers of your brain to, to get less strong. And the more mindful, you know, executive functioning centers um, where you can be more mindful and strategic and thoughtful, those centers get stronger and more, more able to control that kind of impulsive reaction. So it's wonderful. So we can, if we're practicing these techniques, mindfulness, and, and I love what you talked about in terms of the breath, because it's simple. People can do that. It's not complicated, and yet the, the, the effects are, are incredible and long-lasting. So I think that's great that, that we, people can do that to kind of ward off their response, react, I'm still going to call it reactions, their reactions to stress. You know, what's interesting is oftentimes people don't realize just that they're in in stress day after day or whatever, whatever the situation, whether it's work, whether it's relationships, what, you know, what, whatever, whether it's like what you talked about earlier, what we're doing within our own minds in terms of denigrating ourselves or or not feeling worthy or or whatever you know, whatever whatever tape is playing and yet i know you are mm-hmm. so aware of the, the effects that stress has on the mind and on the body especially in in the long term can you speak to that sure yeah that's that's really important to understand as well and what we need to understand is that Stress is a natural response in an acute way. So we're wired to react to a threat. I mean, it's functional to have your body be all revved up if you're in a dark alley, for example, and you you notice footsteps behind you. It's very functional to have a very rapid reaction to get out of there. Um, But, you know, the goal then would be for you to have a, a, a situation, deal with it, and then recover. And, you know, then you go, your body actually goes back to rest and digest so you can eat your food and, you know, get on with, with normal life. But what happens in our society is that we are faced with so much stimulation and so much, you know, sort of ongoing, chronic, uncontrollable situations, like maybe stress at work or financial stress, that we, we end up getting wired to be in this fight or flight all the time. Um, or to be chronically worried, you know, just to always be worrying because it's not like the stress ends in the way that if you, you know, you faced an acute, a tiger or something, it's more like the stress is ongoing. And so if you don't learn to manage it, it can do some harm to your body through the chronic effects of cortisol. So you can get inflammation where, you know, it's predictive of heart disease, of, of pluck in your arteries of your heart. 
it can affect um, what we call telomeres. It's kind of cellular aging in your brain. You can be more prone to do stress-related eating, to become obese or get diabetes. Um, or you can end up adopting very unhealthy ways to manage your stress, like you know, drinking too much alcohol, overeating, being sedentary and zoning out in front of the TV you know, for many hours at a time. And so all of that can end up really impacting your health if you don't have a stress management be a part of your life. So how do people know when they're in, when they're in stress? I mean, we talk, there are some signals that, that the body is giving off that we may not be able to see inside our brain, but we can be witness to some of the signals, some of the body responses that we're experiencing to kind of give us a clue, hey, we have to take care of this, we have to take care of ourselves. Yeah, so that's a good point. I think one of the things is when you're in fight or flight, you find you'll notice your heart beating rapidly. You might get a kind of a shallow breathing with um, hyperventilation. And you might feel panicky kind of feelings in your chest or your throat or your gut. Um, those might be some signals that you're feeling that, phys- you know, that kind of physiological triggering. Um, sometimes it may be that, you, that you're not feeling grounded. You're kind of feeling spacey, um, you know, not, not, fully, not really present with what's going on. Uh, and another kind of stress is more when you get into chronic worry. And that doesn't come as much um, from the amygdala. It more comes like as a secondary reaction where you, you're feeling chronically out of control and you just, you're just constantly trying to worry and like control everything in the future and imagine all the negative possibilities. And so, you know, having just that repetitive script of worry and rumination, like, oh, my God, this is going to go wrong and what am I going to do? And, you know, like I'm going to do poorly on this assignment at work and then my boss is going to be mad and then they're going to fire me and then I'm going to lose my house. Then I'm going to be homeless. Sometimes, you know, our our mind can just get 50 steps ahead of us. Um, So that can be another indication that, you know, you need to kind of, you need to take a step back and try to get out of that state or, you know, interrupt. Melanie, I'm having trouble hearing you. You're, You're kind of going in and out. Can you hear me? Oh, dear. Yeah, I can hear you. Um, is, am I still going in and out? You still are, yes. Um, it might be the reception in my office. Let me see if I can step outside. Um, hold on one second. That's okay. So, so what Melanie's talking about is she's trying to make sure that we can hear her better because what she has to say is so important, is that we can really take a look at what we're doing in in response to a stressful situation and and minimize the phys- physiological responses to it and and really support ourselves and and Melanie also gave us some instances where in whether it's a work situation or a financial situation or whatever where our minds take us down all the way down a path to a, maybe even a, a, a resolution that's very uncomfortable. Melanie, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? Perfect. Yes. 
go ahead. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> great. I think it's just an interruption. Um, so would you like me to explain that again or? Just, the, just the maybe the last part of it that was a little bit difficult to Fuzzy. hear. Okay. Yeah. I'm saying that, you know, when you're faced with a lot of uncontrollable situations, you know, especially things that go on for a long time, um, like maybe having debt or maybe, you know, having some conflict in your relationship, that you can get into a kind of a worry cycle where your mind keeps spinning out of control and kind of, you know, imagining all the negative possibilities and how you have to, you know, act right now to control them and what terrible things will happen if you don't, um, you know, that you might, for example, if you do badly on an assignment at work, that you might lose your job and you might lose your house and, and your mind can spin and get five steps ahead of you. Um, and so it's important to understand when you are in a worry, kind of a spinning worry cycle and to take a, a step back and breathe and, and, you know, ground yourself, notice your feet on the ground, you know, notice, look around you and, and get yourself back to the present. Wonderful. Now, I've often used stress, this is me, okay, when, let's uh-huh. say before I'm, before I'm speaking, it may be fear, it may be a little bit of stress or whatever, and I've utilized it, like sort of turned it around to use it to my advantage so that some of the symptoms, like feeling a little bit flushed or feeling excited or you know, it could be agitated, but I'd like to turn it into excitement, that actually helps me because it creates puts more energy, especially if I'm doing public speaking or whatever, it 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 adds more energy mm-hmm. to it. Now, can you speak to that at all? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, there was a study where they um, looked at just that, and they did find the, the turning it into excitement to be effective. So there was a study where they had people do a speech task, so they told them they were going to give a speech and they're going to be evaluated by this committee. So it was creating stress. And so one group was told um, to just give the speech. One group was told to, to give the speech, but to try to calm down. Uh, and the third group was told to try to, like you said, turn the anxiety into excitement, think about the passion they had, you know, for what they were going to speak about and, and um, feel invigorated. And actually the, the group that uh, was told to turn it into excitement did better than the group that was told to calm down. They performed better and it was less stressful for them. So you bring up a good point. So that's another set of strategies is kind of the positive psychology you know, getting in touch with, with the positive aspects of the situation and your excitement for, you know, what you want to convey. It can be a counterpoint to, you know, your brain going into imagining all the negative. You can really you know, redirect your brain to imagine the positive. And that you know, can create some kind of a sense of excitement. So some of that heartbeat fast and, you know, all of that can, you can interpret as excitement kind of like you're on a roller coaster or something. And people on a roller coaster, usually I'm, I'm seeing them right now in my mind's eye, laughing, <laughs> screaming, excited, <laughs> but, but they're having fun. <laughs> and, exactly, and but they're having this, <laughs> the same physiology as stress, which is interesting. <laughs> right. 
so. Not that we need to laugh at every stressful situation. That's not the point. But I, but I think that, that what you said is beautiful because we can shift it and we can actually train ourselves to look at certain situations in you know and have that that different response to them however you what you also said which i think is is really important for all of us is that there are situations and i'll bring up the the tiger one again or or walking in a in a dark alleyway where where that heightened stress makes us our awareness more heightened so that we're on guard and ready to handle a situation rather than kind of being lackadaisical and that's that's a really good point because we if we if we're in certain situations like you described we we need to be alert we need to be ready to respond and do what we you know what what has to be done to to take care of ourselves so thank you for that i wanted to talk a little bit about your blog and because i want to tell people how they can go there but it's called the mindful self-express blog and tell us a little bit about that and and when you started it and 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 what's been happening as it's evolved melanie sure so i write a blog for psychology today and i called it the mindful self-express and i think that i called it that because i think that that's is two really important aspects of mental health and of, of thriving in life. One is to be mindful, you know, to have this kind of compassionate but deliberate way, wise way of reigning in feelings or being present with feelings and, you know, just living your life in that kind of a way. Um, and the second part, I believe, and this comes from my work with patients, is to be self-expressive to find a way to express yourself authentically in the world. And often in our childhoods, we get inhibited from doing that, you know, because maybe we're criticized or maybe we're not seen and we're neglected. Um, or maybe we learn certain cultural scripts that it's weak to have emotions. And so sometimes when people come to therapy, it can be a process of finding that, you know, finding how do I express myself with authenticity in this world and what's what's most meaningful to me and how do I pursue that. So that's why I called the blog that. Um, And it has a range of different topics, not only mindfulness, although that's a big piece, but also um, trauma, depression, mental health issues, aspects of the brain, and even about um, thriving at work and in relationships and dealing with stress in those kind of situations and then about health and the mind body connection and self-compassion. So there's a lot there. And I think I have a big audience for it. It's now um, over 10 million and I've been really excited with the growth of it. And, you know, some of it's been picked up by the press, and, but there's really very, I think science-based research and tools to help you in many aspects of your life. Well, it's wonderful, and we encourage people to go there. You'll be able to give our listeners more information in a little bit. Let's talk about self-compassion, because you mentioned that in your, kind of when you were talking about your coming from, your coming over to the United States and what you went through and, and, and in terms of your own response to yourself. And many of us, whether it's from, 
messages that we receive from other people, family, teachers, you know, wherever mm-hmm. or whatever. And also what what gets triggered in our own minds in terms of our self-talk. What do we what is so important about self-compassion and how do we turn it around? How, years of of having all these stuff that says no you're not worthy you're not good enough you can't do this what's wrong mm-hmm. with you blah, blah blah how do we turn it around it's a process <laughs> um it's, <laughs> you know it's not necessarily easy um sometimes you know it can take people months or even years to to get there fully but i think you can begin by sometimes just try to take a perspective um, that might be different than how you treat yourself. So we often find it easier to be compassionate to other people, um, especially people that we care about and love, than we do to ourselves. So, for example, say you made a mistake um, or you, you, you didn't do something for your family and you, know, you shouted at your child. That might be an example. You, know, you yelled at your child. Um, so I guess you might think, you know, for yourself, we tend to say, oh, I'm, you know, a bad mom, and what's wrong with me, and you know, I'm a failure, and I'm going to hurt harm my kid. And you can go into all these negative scripts. But, you know, I think every mom, it's not what ideal, it's not what you want to do, but every mom, you know, says the wrong thing at some point. So I guess you might think, well, okay, maybe I can't be compassionate for me, but what if this was my best friend and they were upset because they had, you know, shouted at their child? What what would I say to them? And most probably, you know, you would say to them, well, you know, you made a mistake, but, you know, you can go back and talk to your child about it and you were under stress and, you know, you don't have to be perfect. Everybody makes mistakes sometimes. It would come much more naturally to think about it, talking to your best friend. And so then you might think, okay, well, how how can I talk that way to myself? How might I apply that? Might I apply that to myself, or even to look at, you know, why do I feel compassion for my best friend? And you know, it's easy to see it um, from a compassionate perspective for them, but not for me. Don't I deserve the same? So that would be an, one of the ways that you might learn it. And you're right. I think it's also something that we that may take time in developing to get to that place of, of firstly, doing that with ourselves, and then believing it because the belief part is is also very important. Now, when you work sure. with patients, when you work with patients, what are some of the other symptoms that they have in terms of stress and anxiety? Because sometimes those two are go together. Sure. Um, so some of the things I find are the chronic worry, a lot of worry that I talked about. Um, people might worry about they, you know, have something wrong physically, that if they have, you know, they have a symptom that maybe it's a sign of a disease. Um, people might also, you know, beat themselves up and be very harsh with themselves. Um, I also have people that, you know, kind of get stressed and they get angry and irritable with people that they work with or with their partner with, and, um, you know, it ends up causing harm to their career and their relationship. They don't like themselves when, they, when they're that way. Um, and then there's some people that have had, you know, tr- a lot of trauma in their lives 
and they can sometimes just, you know, almost feel like a different person when they face a situation, you know, that somehow represents their trauma to them. Like maybe, you know, somebody rejecting them might be an example. In a relationship, they, they, you know, they might end up feeling totally worthless and lost and helpless and, and despairing. Um, so those are some examples of, of stress symptoms or stress, you know, things that, that happen to people when they're stressed. Now, I remember something from early on when I was growing up, and and my and I've talked about this on several shows or whatever. But and I'm, I love my mother dearly; she's deceased. But she was very fearful for for some time, and I picked up on a lot mm-hmm. of those fears. I had to work with myself at a really young age to kind of figure out, well, how do I get past that? And pa- mm-hmm. and you know because. Sometimes mm-hmm. what's happening in the brain is those you're not good enough or those statements or whatever, they they happen mm-hmm. so fast that we're not even mm-hmm. aware that the message that said, hey, you're not good enough, because then there, another thought comes in, but there's already a response to mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And it can be yeah. very challenging. Mm-hmm. So very what challenging. else? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Um, what ahead. else? <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. What else is the upside to stress? I know mean, we've we talked about some of the the challenges and and ways to really take care of it, but but there also are, and we've also talked about the excitement piece. What else, you know? What else can stress do that has a positive effect? As long as we we have it, I guess I'm going to say under control. Sure. And I think, um, you know, controllable stress can actually be an impetus for growth, or even if the stress is difficult to control. So the upside of stress, I think, is that is the motivation. And, you know, it can, it can create extra motivation and maybe even endurance for you. Kind of, you could imagine running a marathon. I mean, that's, a, you know, that's a biological stress. But, you know, in doing that, in training for the marathon, you, you develop skills like self-discipline, uh, you know, regularity, and, if, and you become physically fitter and, you, you know, you increase your endurance and your, your ability to tolerate things without freaking out and to keep going when things get difficult. And I think, you know, that's a good analogy for when we face other kinds of stress, like psychological stress um, in life. So, you know, say you have a difficult challenge at work or something like that um, or a personal challenge in your life, you can try to think how might this be an impetus for growth for me? You know, how, how can I learn what skills might I, might I need um, to endure this or to get through this? Or, and I think that life does call on us to keep growing and changing and dealing with different situations in life. You never know what life's going to give you. Um, it's not so much, you know, about a happy ending. I think it's about an ongoing process. And um, if you think of stress as, a, as an impetus for growth, uh, and I think that you can grow and you can, it can take you on a path. So there's people, for example, you know, that's, that the stress they face creates a new path, a new meaning for them in life. Um, like with me, you know, the, the experience of understanding that, you know, I was too harsh on myself and 
that you know they were, that hard driving got you to a certain point and was good in certain situations, but you needed something else as well. That when I got to that insight or that discovery, which was through pain, you know, um, I was then you know felt this real motivation that this is the key to something, and you know I have a I have a journey and a mission to share this with people, and that led to you know to becoming a therapist and to writing books and. You know, and that that then opened other avenues. You know, connection with a whole community of like-minded people, people like you. Um, you know, and and yeah, just helping different kinds of people, reading more and more, and and having a path that I, I mean would not have had otherwise had life not given me a challenging situation. You know, I love that because I think it's so true. Oftentimes, and you and I were talking earlier before the show, mm-hmm. oftentimes those challenging situations that we're going through, like you said, Melanie, can can make us stronger and also lead us in directions that we were never aware of. And I love what you said, that it's really a process. It's not just the end result. So, so get mm-hmm. excited about that process about the unfoldment because also like you said we're constantly growing and shifting mm-hmm. if we allow that and and respond to it in a beautiful way you and i can talk forever i love what you mm-hmm. represent and doing so tell our listeners firstly how they could get your book the stress-proof brain which is on amazon but other places and also how they could reach you, how they could find out more about the Mindful Self-Express blog and everything else that you're doing that's so beautiful. Sure. Well, thank you so much. Um, So how you can reach me is I have a website. Um, It's called drmelaniegreenberg.com, D-R, and then my name, melaniegreenberg.com. and on that website, there's a, there's a blog and there's a lot of different articles about healing your life, you know, just living healthy, managing your relationships and so on. And also you could sign up for my newsletter. I, I have a newsletter almost every week that has new articles and tips for managing your life and also talks about me and the press and, you know, different things that I, I've been doing, like podcasts or articles and you know it's, it's very, it can have valuable tools for you um i my book the mindful self-express came out last year um and it's doing very well it's already um, it's in top 100 on amazon and neuroscience and also in stress management and so i encourage you to take a look at it because it's very practical it has all this information about the brain um and i think it has some inspiration but it also has very practical tools that you could use right now to begin being better at managing your stress. And then my blog, The Mindful Self-Express, it's mindful and then self-express. It's on psychology today, but you can just Google Mindful Self-Express and it should come up. And Or you could go to psychology today and search for my name. And I encourage you to look at that as well. Melanie, wonderful. I love what you're doing, and I think it's so important. And I think that the book, because it does have so much practical application, you can utilize some of the techniques and tools immediately and really work with yourself to create a 
sense of really being able to handle whatever situation comes up. And there, and like you said, there are so many unexpected situations in life that we're just going to experience and we may not even have anticipated mm-hmm. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for all that you do and for being on the show, and have a beautiful day. Thanks again, Melanie Greenberg. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much, Joanne. I've I've really enjoyed speaking with you and your audience. I have. Thanks again. My pleasure. Have a beautiful day. You too. Thanks. So next week we have Marty McGibbon, who is a comedian and also an author, and she is going to talk to you about what she endured and how to be able to come through whatever circumstances in a very different way. I encourage you to check out Melanie Greenberg's Mindful Self-Expressed blog by the book The Stress-Proof Brain. We need practical experiential activities, methods that we can use that are at our fingertips that we can really just embrace and get comfortable with and use them so that whatever situation comes about, you have the tools, the wherewithal, and the confidence to be able to handle them and also to feel good about yourself. And remember, this program is called Power Your Life for a Reason. You have within you, as Melanie was talking, so many beautiful abilities and resources within your brain, also within your heart and within your body to heal and to become more of what you choose to be. So you can empower yourself and take some steps today to just really feel good about something in your life. It doesn't have to be big, something small that you feel really good about to tell yourself that you're special because I believe you are. Thanks so much for joining us and have a blessed day wherever you are. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.